Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. We hope that it will encourage you as you seek to follow God and grow in your faith. If you would like to know more about our church, you can check us out at www.ritmangrace.org or feel free to email us at ritmangbc at aol.com. But for right now, let's get into today's message. Well, good morning, Ritman Grace, brother in church. My name is Clark. I'm one of the leaders on our staff. And if I haven't met you yet, I'd love to meet you and I would love to meet your family and uh, get to know you a little bit after service. And for those of you that I have met and I do know, I'd love to just catch up and see what's been going on in your life and uh, hope everybody's having a good weekend so far. Also, just want to uh, update you and, and also kind of thank you, I guess, for the prayers. Um, our son, um, Luca, he had a uh, um, an echocardiogram and the results came back really good. So I just want to say thank you for your prayers with that. Uh, something that could have potentially been uh, bad, but um, you know we believe in the power of prayer and uh, you know kind of hesitated to to ask for prayer um, because we didn't want to like freak people out. But uh, you know we we believe in the power of prayer, so we thought it would be uh, kind of crazy not to ask. So <laughs> so thank you for for praying. I know my wife Amanda really appreciates that too, and uh, it's probably a lot of. You know, maybe there's a lot of questions you have about that, but I'd love to talk more about that afterwards. But, uh, but just want to say thank you. Uh, we're going to continue in our series that we have been in called uh, Jesus's Parables. And as you can imagine, if you're a Bible person, you might be familiar with uh, the parables. Uh, a parable is a little story with a big idea. And uh, basically, Jesus told these parables, these little stories with big ideas to illustrate uh, really important truths about the kingdom of God. And uh, we've been in this series. We're actually in uh, week number five, if you can believe it. It, uh, it seems like we just started this series. But uh, uh, if you missed any of the past uh, weekend messages, uh, you can go on our website, ritmagrace.org, and you can access all of those sermons. Uh, those are there uh, for you, and we'd love to serve you in that way. Uh, but just to uh, recap a little bit, I uh, just want to talk about what we've covered so far. Uh, in week number one, we looked at the parable of the sower. Uh, the week number two, and we talked about the wise and foolish builder. Week three, we looked at the parable of the good Samaritan. And then if you were with us last week, you might remember we looked at the uh, parable of the persistent widow. We're going to continue this uh, sermon series. We're going to look at another parable. Today, we're going to talk about the parable of the two debtors the parable of the two debtors. So if you have your Bibles, I just want to invite you to go with me uh, to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 where is where we're going to be camping out here this morning. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible, we'll have the words up on the screen, but I just want to invite you to go there with me. And as you're going there, uh, I know we just prayed, but uh, let me pray for us. Well, Lord, uh, thank you for being a uh, loving and gracious and merciful God, uh, being uh, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Uh, God, just as uh, Elmer mentioned a second ago, we're, we're approaching um, this election. Uh, there's a pandemic going on. There's you know, different kinds of racial injustice happening in our world. Uh, Lord, we don't know what the future holds, but we know that you hold the future. Uh, Lord, I ask that as we look into your word today, as we look at this passage together, that you would speak to us, meet us right where we're at, Help us to conform to the image of your son, Jesus. We ask all these things in his name. Amen. Well, I want to get into this uh, passage 
here in a second. I'm excited to do that. But I thought as kind of a lead to today's message, um, I would share a little bit, kind of give you a window into my life. Um, I know a lot of you know me, but maybe not everybody here knows me, but uh, I came to know Jesus in uh, 2011. And so that was a huge milestone uh, in my life. Um, I was trying to overcome uh, a drug addiction at the time. And, uh, you know, that was, that was a big deal, coming to know Jesus and just understanding, getting hold of God's grace and, uh, you know, coming to Jesus in repentance, surrendering my life to him. And, you know, that, that same year had somebody that was older and wiser than me uh, spiritually invest uh, into me. About once a week we'd get together and he would uh, mentor me, help me uh, read, understand the Bible. And then I went to Bible college. I went to Moody Bible Institute. And then I got an internship and a residency at a church in Medina, Grace Church, and then uh, went to seminary, uh, Liberty School of Divinity, and, and graduated recently, uh, got married, we had a baby. And I say all that not to give you um, a really short version of my story, but uh, you know, along the way from 2011 up until now, um, something I really have to, to be aware of is, is taking credit for the good things in my life. And, and even beyond that, to, to avoid this idea of what we're going to talk about today, this idea of, of being self-righteous, of just um, basically looking down on other people. It, it's easy uh, for, for, for us to say, you know, especially for me, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm not that bad. You know, I don't use drugs anymore, right? Um, it's easy to turn on the news and say, well, I've done some bad things, but I'm not as bad as that guy, you know. Uh, it's, it's easy to fall into that line of thinking. And I think uh, in today's parable, Jesus is going to show us that, uh, that, that God is really opposed to that, that idea of self-righteousness. I think for, for many of us, maybe you have found yourself in a situation where uh, you have felt that way before. And if we're not careful, we can, we can take God's mercy and God's grace and his love and his goodness for granted. We could become uh, self-absorbed, self-righteous individuals. If we're not careful, we can we could become complacent in our faith, and we could become condescending and forget what God has done to save us or redeem us. Uh, failure to remember God's grace can cause us to have holier-than-thou attitudes. Um, and that's not a good look for anybody, but especially for Jesus' church. And so I understand we may not all have a, a crazy story where God has uh, saved us from deep messes of you know, drug abuse and alcoholism, but the thing is, if we are Christ followers, God has saved us. Uh, and everything that we are and everything that we have is only by God's grace. So the reason today's message is so important is this. We have to be careful not to get complacent as followers of Christ, uh, not appreciating God fully, missing out on our relationship with God, missing out on our walk with God, not regarding God for who He is, who His Word says He is, and not honoring God and glorifying Him in humility, uh, looking down on others, right, in condescending ways. So what's the answer and the solution then? If we identified the problem, right, what is the answer then? Well, fortunately for us, uh, for the next several minutes, we have an opportunity to hear from Jesus. And he's going to address this very issue in this parable of the two debtors. We're going to see uh, two different people that Jesus is going to address. One is a, a social outcast, and the other one is a self-righteous individual. 
So once again, Luke 7, if hopefully you're there by now, we're going to be breaking in at verse 36. So let's look at this together and make some observations. Verse 36 says this, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. So let's just notice that there is, there's a Pharisee that invites Jesus over uh, to share a meal with him. Now, if you're a Bible person, my guess is you're familiar with this group called the Pharisees. They're this grassroots religious movement of people. They're extremely pious. They know the Torah. They know the law. Uh, they practice ceremonial uh, law as well. Jesus always was butting heads with the Pharisees. But in this particular instance, what's fascinating is that this is a Pharisee. We'll come to learn later his name's Simon, but he was interested in Jesus. He was spiritually curious about who Jesus was, so much so that he invited Jesus over to his house for dinner. And so notice that takes place, but also in verse 37, we see a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. So, so let's talk a little bit about this woman. The Bible says she lived a sinful life. Um, a lot of commentators and scholars will say that she was likely a prostitute. And I think one of the reasons they can say that is because she had an alabaster jar of perfume. A lot of uh, archaeologists have excavated the land of Israel, and they've found these alabaster jars uh, of perfume. This was an expensive uh, perfume. We see in Mark's gospel and Luke's gospel, that, uh, or Mark and John's gospel, that this uh, alabaster was 300 denarii, which may not mean much to us today, but a denarii was a day's worth of wages. So this was an expensive perfume, and the Bible goes out of its way to tell us that she brought this with her uh, to this dinner. And so that's going to keep that in mind, because that's going to make a lot more sense later on. So we see the Pharisee, we see Jesus, we see this promiscuous woman who is all going to sit down at this uh, dinner together. Notice what happens next. Verse 38, as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. So just a couple things to mention here. The Bible says that she wet his feet with her tears. Um, it, was, it was the custom at this time. Oops, excuse me. I'm just going to... See if that helps. Uh, it, was, it was the custom at this time uh, when you were a guest at somebody's house, they would provide water for you to wash your feet. If you think about it, um, you know, Palestine, Israel, there's a lot of dirt, there's a lot of sand, and so it makes sense that they would provide that so you could wash your feet as you come into someone's house as their guest. And so this woman, she takes her tears and she takes her hair and she wipes his feet. And this is a big deal because this would have been uh, a shameful thing, like a scandalous thing uh, in the first century in this culture for her to do that. It's actually grounds for divorce. And so it's kind of a big deal for this, for this woman to let her hair down and to use her tears and her hair to wipe the feet of Jesus. So she also, notice, takes this perfume, uh, this uh, alabaster jar of perfume, this expensive, right, 300 denarii, uh, 300 days worth of wages this thing costs, and she pours them 
on Jesus' feet. So why does she do that? Why does she take her hair, wipe his feet, and pour, pour the alabaster jar of perfume on his feet? She does it because that's what she has with her, and she wants to serve Jesus. And so when she does that, when she takes that perfume, uh, the tool of her trade, right? A lot of people believe that, you know, prostitutes during this time would wear alabaster jars of perfume around uh, their, their neck, like a necklace. And so this is like the tool of her trade. She lays this down at the feet of Jesus, right? She's not just doing this to do a nice thing. She's actually turning a direction in her life. This is a really, really big deal that this woman is, is doing this. But notice what takes place next in this passage. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. So I just want you to imagine with me, if you, if you could, imagine something like this happening today. Imagine you're at your favorite restaurant and you're with your friends and somebody comes in and they clearly you know, fit the profile for uh, somebody in this line of work, prostitution. And they come in and they, they're weeping and they wipe your feet with their hair and their tears, either you or someone you're sitting with. And just imagine just the looks and the laughter and the frowns of the people of the tables around you. Imagine how awkward that would be. Imagine what that would be like today it would be an extraordinary thing. And, and it would be an extraordinary thing today, and it was an extraordinary thing to take place during this time. But notice how Jesus responds. Notice what Jesus says, verse 40. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Now this is the parable that Jesus tells. This is the little story with the big idea. Notice what Jesus says. Verse 41, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. So again, just to review, a denarii, remember, that's a day's worth of wages. So we have a money lender who lends money to one person, 500 denarii. Uh, we're talking like, uh, you know, two, a year and a half worth of wages. The other person is lent 50 denarii. So we're talking a couple months worth of wages. Jesus continues, he says, verse 42, neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. So let's unpack this a little bit. Uh, this parable Jesus talks about, he uses debt um, the Bible does this a lot, uses debt to describe our sin. Uh, Elmer read it earlier in Matthew 6 in the Lord's Prayer. Lord, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven the debts of others. Uh, so a lot of times you hear that, uh, forgive us for our sins or our trespasses as we have forgiven those who have trespassed against us. So, so in this parable, uh, our sin is described as a debt. Jesus makes himself the lender in this little story. And he says, uh, one person who has lent the 500 denarii, uh, that, that describes the woman. And the uh, Pharisee Simon is the one who was lent the 50 denarii. And so many of us would look at that and would say, of course, the woman is the one who you know, owes the 500 because she clearly 
was the one who lived a more sinful life. She broke more of the Ten Commandments than this other guy. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. What Jesus is saying is that neither one of these individuals could make good on their debt. Neither one of these people could, could contribute one single cent towards getting out of their debt. In other words, Jesus is saying this woman and Simon are both in the same boat. And Jesus realizes that uh, this woman, she understands the cost of salvation. That's the difference between the 500 debtor and the 50 debtor is that the woman understands the cost of salvation. Because if you think about a money lender, uh, think about it. You can't really forgive a debt. You can only transfer the debt. Somebody's going to have to eat the cost. Somebody's going to have to take the hit. And that's what this money lender does in this story. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He ate the cost for us. He paid our debts, a debt that we owed that we could not pay. You see, if you, if you don't understand the extent of your sin, then you cannot be amazed and thrilled by the grace of God. And this woman, she was able to understand the cost of salvation, the expense of salvation. So notice how this plays out. Verse 44, then he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. So a couple things here. The, the water for Jesus' feet, we talked about that a little bit. The kiss is important for you to greet your guests with a kiss as they entered your house. That's what they did. And then the last sign of hospitality is to anoint someone's head with oil as, as you would have a guest come in your house. You know, that it was customary that you would anoint their head with oil. Simon doesn't do any of these things. He doesn't show any affection towards Jesus as he enters his home. But Jesus says, this woman, she not only did all three, she went above and beyond. And Jesus is going to explain why that is in the next few verses. He says this, Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. There's a couple of ways to interpret what this woman did. I think it's important for us to understand. Uh, the first way, I don't believe it's the correct way, but we could say that this woman served Jesus in this way as a way to earn her, her forgiveness. And I would say that's an incorrect interpretation. The other way, I think the correct way, is to see that this woman, by wiping Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair and, and kissing his feet, pouring the alabaster jar of perfume, was not a way to earn her forgiveness. It was evidence of the fact that she was forgiven. It was evidence of the fact that she was someone who was forgiven much, so as a result, she loved much. Another way to say it is that Christianity is not something that we achieve. Christianity is something that we receive. God does not, we don't change our lives to be accepted by God. We're accepted by God, and it causes us to change our lives. 
I think there's a lot of things that we could take away from this passage. But if we were honestly uh, to boil down everything to its irreducible minimum, the one thing that I'd want us to take away this morning, the one thing that I'd want us to remember tomorrow morning, and maybe the rest of the week, is that good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. You see, the gospel turns our religious math inside out. Because there's no such thing as good people and bad people in the mathematics of the gospel. There's just bad people and there's Jesus. You see, this parable reminds us that we all stand indebted to Christ. Religious or irreligious, people far off, and people nearby. We're all debtors to grace. But I think this parable also shows us that the more mindful of our indebtedness we are, the more of God's grace that we will know. So let's close with a couple application questions. A lot of things we could ask ourselves as way of application, but one of them, I think, is this. Am I Simon or am I the woman in this passage? And I don't mean, are you male or female? I think you're mature enough to know what I'm asking. Am I Simon or am I the woman in this passage? Am I self-righteous? Am I complacent? Am I condescending towards others? Am I taking God's mercy, God's grace, God's love, and his goodness for granted? Do I have a holier-than-thou attitude? Or, by way of contrast, am I filled with love? Right? Like this woman in this passage, am I filled with love and gratitude for what Jesus has done for me? Do I remember that good people don't go to heaven? Forgiven people go to heaven. Am I honoring God and glorifying him in humility? And I think if we answer that question and we find that you know, we're probably more like Simon than we would like to admit, I think this next question we ought to wrestle to the ground. Do I see the extent of my sin? Do I see the extent of my sin? You know what the Bible says about our sin? The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, I said it earlier, but I'll say it again. You see, if you don't see the extent of your sin you're not going to be amazed and thrilled by the grace of God. We have to get a hold of the extent of our sin. Something that we can do on a practical level, I love this short little quote by Jerry Bridges. It's simple, but it's not easy. He says this, preach the gospel to yourself every day. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. What does that look like? It looks like this, my identity is not in my job. My identity is not where I live. My identity is not in the car I drive. My identity is in Christ. In Christ, I'm a new creation. Sure, I'm more messed up than I think I am. I'm way more messed up than I think I am, but I'm more loved than I can ever dare to imagine. And, and Jesus has taken my sin. He's paid my debt. As we'll sing in a little bit, you know, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He's wiped it white as snow. Jesus is my Savior. He redeemed me. He paid a debt. 
and he's restoring things. He's making all things new. And he will come again and he will wipe away every tear. There will be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. So many times we, we fail to remember and we, we forget. We don't recognize how bad our sin really is, how much it costs Jesus. And it costs Jesus everything. God sent his one and only son. We think that just because we come to church every Sunday, we're a good person. Or just because we're, our Facebook profile says we're a Christian, we're a good person. But we can become indifferent. We can become apathetic. And if we read our Bibles and pray, sometimes we could just go through the motions if we're not careful. But I think this passage shows us that there's a different way. There's a better way. When we see the magnitude of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, it continues to soften our hearts. And we recognize that we really are sinners saved by grace through, through faith, through Christ alone. That Jesus came to do what we could not do for ourselves. And so I would say if, if, you, if, you have a, if you don't have a costly view of God's grace, then you're probably going to have a cheap view of God's grace. And if we have a cheap view of God's grace, it's, it's not going to lead to gospel transformation. It's only going to lead to behavior modification. On our best day, we're going to be really self-righteous. And we're going to look down on people in condescending ways. And then on our worst day, we're going to self-deprecate. And we're going to be like, oh, I just can't do it. I can't earn my way. That's kind of the point, though, <laughs> that we cannot earn our way into heaven because good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. So my encouragement to you today is, is to choose today. Make today. Put a stake in the ground and choose today to recognize your need for Jesus, that you did nothing to save yourself, right, if you're a follower of Jesus. Choose today to recommit your life to follow him, or maybe for the first time. Don't go months, don't go years, don't go decades of just coming to church, going through the motions. Put a stake in the ground. Make today the day that you choose to follow Jesus for real. Because good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. I want to invite the band up, and as they're getting settled in, I just I want us to uh, kind of close our eyes and bow our heads and I'm going to pray us out um, and try to really focus on the words of these songs the band's going to play this morning because they really highlight a lot of what we are talking about here this morning. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we, we praise you for the good news that Jesus has made payment for the debt of our sins. He's the money lender who not only forgave us of our sins, but even more transferred our debt by making payment with his life shedding his own blood on the cross. Lord, forgive us for the times where we become complacent, where we display holier-than-thou attitudes, look down on other people. Lord, we know that's not your heart, but thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he's done for us on the cross. Lord, soften our hearts. Help us to declare and display your gospel to others this week as a result of being forgiven an incredible debt. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. If you have questions or would like to know more about our church, please visit www.ritmangrace.org or email us at ritmangbc at aol.com.